Good morning. Our reading today is from Exodus 20, 1 to 4, 7 to 9, and 12 to 20. But after hearing Maggie's rendition of the Ten Commandments, they sound a lot nicer than these. But I'll read these anyway. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that it is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witness the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Praise be the word of the Lord. So this morning we're talking about the Ten Commandments. Um famously brought to us by, uh, uh, I can't remember his name all of a sudden, but <laughs> Moses, no, not Moses, I was thinking of Chuck Heston, I was famously brought to us by Chuck Heston <laughs> in, uh, in his uh, masterpiece, The Ten Commandments, and uh, so, you know, The Ten Commandments, they seem, on, a, on the surface of it, they seem reasonable and logical, really, I mean, don't murder, don't uh, cheat on your wife, don't... Uh, steal those seem you know any any reasonable society would adhere to these kinds of uh, rules, although some of them seem a little um, a little hard to enforce like how do you how do you enforce coveting your neighbor 's donkey and all of that I mean, not only that i don 't know how I enforce that stuff in myself. I find myself coveting my neighbor 's mustang all the time you know and stuff like that it 's it's one of those difficult ones, and certainly if you wanted to make it, in, turn it into a law, it would be uh, very difficult to enforce. <laughs> and then there's like, uh, and we think of these as kind of the foundational rules for reasonable society, and we, uh, you know, but some of them seem to be missing. Like a lot of them are very vague and and. And broad, I mean, not vague, but pretty broad. But then there's this one about not don't uh, don't bear false witness against your neighbor, which we have all we've always kind of taken to be this general prohibition on lying. But actually, bearing false witness is a very specific kind of lying. 
that has you know that has kind of a legal implication. Uh, you know, don't don't accuse your neighbor of doing something they didn't do and things to that effect. So uh, so why so specific on that one and. You know, it really isn't talking about all kinds of lying. So, what that means is if I ask you if this suit makes me look fat, your answer is no. No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> you look fabulous. <laughs> you have, you know, feel free to do that and still remain within the confines of the Ten Commandments. But, the ten, you know, the Ten Commandments kind of come to us. These are the first, uh, these are the the kind of like the Bill of Rights. It's the first kind of uh, moral code, ethical code, that is meant to help order society for the Hebrew people as they come out of slavery. And, and like the Bill of Rights that we have, you know, they, they need some interpretation. And that's kind of what the rest of the Hebrew Bible is about. It's about interpreting those, those Ten Commandments. You kind of have the Ten Commandments and everyone's kind of asking questions like I am here today, like, well, do we always have to honor our parents and stuff like that? And then you get, like, Leviticus and Deuteronomy that's kind of expanding on what do you mean by bearing false witness against your neighbors and what do you mean by all of these kinds of things. Immediately you have to start, you can't reduce it down to ten, basically, is where where society goes with that. In fact, even, even when Moses has to go back in, in Exodus 35 and get a new set of uh, Ten Commandments, you remember, because he, he got mad and smashed them. Uh, re, you remember this? Uh, he smashed the original set because uh, he came down and they had built a, a brazen idol, which was number two on the list. <laughs> and he got mad and threw the Ten Commandments down well, somewhere around Exodus 35, he goes back up the mountain. He gets a new set uh, from, from uh, God. The hand of God writes on the tablets. And even then, God adds a few addendums to it, if you read it, like, you know, having to do with forming treaties with foreigners and stuff like that. So it, it really didn't cover the, the territory and uh, uh, needed all of those kinds of expansive concepts to help them work. And uh, really, the only way to really understand the Ten Commandments is in the context of the Hebrew people's liberation. Right? The, when, when God drew, well, you know, when, when God came to Moses, the Hebrew people were enslaved in Egypt. And basically, when you're a slave, you have one command don't do anything unless I tell you to do it says the master, whoever your master is. So basically just do whatever your master say and don't do anything else. So there's no freedom in that. There's no, you know, there's no place for you to really make your own way or make your own decisions about what you are or are not going to do. So then Moses, or Moses leads the people out of slavery, out into the wilderness, and God offers them this moral code to help them enjoy and secure their freedom. God goes about securing that they will never be enslaved again. And the Ten Commandments is really part of that freedom-securing covenant by God. And I'm going to, in order to make my point, I'm going to turn to one of my favorite theological journals of all time, Mad Magazine. Uh, you know, maybe you remember this from 
when uh, I was a kid, thereabouts. But um, in this in this one that I had when I was a kid, it says this. It says the negativity of the commandments mark off small areas in which free men ought not go. So you know we're talking about the. You know, the commandments have often seen like rules you got to follow and what a drag. you got to have all these commandments. you got to, you know, it's all about the do's and don'ts and all this. Well, Mad Magazine makes a good point here. It says, it says they mark off areas in which free people ought not go precisely so that they can remain free to roam anywhere else in the great wide world. Consider a positive command such as you will always leave the church building through a red painted door. Over and against that, put the negative command. You shall not leave church buildings through red painted doors. Which command frees more people to get out of more church buildings more of the time? Obviously, the negative command can prohibit one action precisely in order to free one for a host of other actions. Whereas the positive requirement can force one into a given course of action and deny them the responsibility or the possibility of all others. If the Ten Commandments are correct in spotting the threats of human freedom, then the negativity of their wording is indeed the invitation for human beings freely to find whatever style of life, life suits them, as long as they avoid these few pitfalls that would destroy their freedom altogether. So it is the, the demarcation of certain areas that will help us uh, free us up to explore and become and find our way. And, you know, the notion of, of, of God bringing about certain, you know, God having certain expectations on our life together, a moral code, an ethical code, a list of rules, a bunch of commandments, they're only useful in so much as they point us toward freedom. And freedom for all of us. Not just freedom for a particular class of people or a particular person, right? It is about freeing everybody to live in society and live together in a way that is positive and affirming. And when Jesus, in fact, this is why, you know, when a moral code ceases to point us toward freedom, when a moral code ceases to allow people to become who God created them to become, when a moral code begins to get used to oppress and suppress and, and marginalize, then it becomes useless. And this is what I believe Jesus was so adamant about when He confronted the Pharisees, when He confronted the religious world Jesus lived in. He looked at them and said, you have used these commandments, you have used these moral codes, you have used all of these rules not to free people, but to subjugate them. But to oppress. And he started questioning, this is why we have been freed by the law, Paul tells us. We are no longer slaves to the law, but we are freed in the Holy Spirit. We are free in Christ to live out our lives in freedom. And Jesus, when searching for a, a commandment that frees us, just as Maggie pointed out in the children's story, he turns not to the Ten Commandments, but turns to a, a part of Deuteronomy and then another part of Isaiah. And he says, here's the greatest commandment. 
love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is a command that frees you up and allows you to live a full and wonderful life. A full and wonderful life that's not at the expense of your neighbor. Amen? A full and wonderful life that frees you and frees others up to become who they were called to be and who they were empowered to be. And so I guess as we explore this idea of moral codes, and and we can argue whether the Ten Commandments uh, hit the nail on the head or whether they're, they're kind of contextual in their understandings, you know, pretty much stuck in their own time. But as we order ourselves, as we pattern our lives after the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaims, it whatever moral codes, whatever rules we want to put into place, whatever structures we need in order to make society work, they must, they must. And if, if they're going to honor God, they must point us toward freedom for ourselves and everybody else. Amen? Freedom to become the glorious, blessed, wonderful people God created us created us to be. Freedom and responsibility to live our lives to the fullest. To engage with and commune with God and to allow ourselves to commune with each other and to live out our lives in that communion together. In the Hebrew language, this is called shalom. It is being in right relationship with God to be in that peaceful relationship with God and that peaceful, right relationship with each other. Things that don't point us toward that, really we can set those aside or we can question them at the very least. And all the rules, again, are utterly meaningless unless they point us toward becoming the fullest and best version of ourselves. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, we thank You for uh, the guidance that You offer us in the Bible, particularly beginning with the Ten Commandments that point us to what ordered society might look like and, free, uh, and frees us up no longer to be slaves, but to live in the freedom and responsibility of being fellow citizens of the world and the kingdom of God. Help us to live into your highest ideals and expectations that we might secure our own freedom and the freedom of all of those around us. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen. I want to invite the ushers to come forward and we have an opportunity this morning to uh, offer our thanks to God through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. Uh, This is how this ministry continues and how things are maintained around here. So uh, to, to contribute to the ministry of the church is to participate in the ministry of the church here as well. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to give back a portion of the blessing we have received. And we pray that you would give us wisdom as we choose how to spend it. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.